Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a companion podcast for uh, Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hi, Levi. Today, we are playing through the Hawk Manor Dungeon. Ooh. What happened last time, Jen? So we are on the hunt for... We're, we're still trying to figure out where the masked man, La Habrea, is hanging out. Sightings of this guy were... Um, reported in southern Thanalan in the little Alamigo area. They're very wary of outsiders. So they say like, fuck off. We're not going to help you. And we're like, uh, but we, we got to go to little Alamigo and figure out what's going on. And like, well, you need to have a buddy, you know, have somebody vouch for you. We go and talk to our guy, Harry Bear, back at the Waking Sands. And he's like, nah, I'm, I'm Persona Non Grata. And he's like, I know somebody who knows somebody. A little band of um, Alamigans in Corymill and they're having some troubles, um, and we help him out with that. We make a we make a friend. He sends us back to Little Alamigo with a letter and his thanks. And now we're in. So we've returned to Little Alamigo with our letter of recommendation, and now Gundabald will finally speak to us. So we question him about this masked stranger, who is hopefully La Habrea. Gundabald reports that he's aware of a masked person, and further, some of the younger Alamegans have been meeting with him in secret. So he gives us his authority to question these youngsters. Hey, what are you guys working on in secret over here? What are you doing? Tell me all about it. I know I'm an outsider, but you can trust me. And we get told to fuck off times four. Basically, yeah. We return to Gundabald, and he knows that the youth have an anger about their situation, and likens it to himself when he was young. For Gundabald fought to free Alamigo from the rule of King Theodoric, but didn't realize that his revolution played into the hands of the Empire, who swooped in to conquer the nation after Theodoric was overthrown. Yeah. So he's afraid that today's youth will make a similar mistake. Oh, yeah. They don't have the benefit of age or experience or perspective or even battle. These people have done, they've done shit all. Except, you know, get get angry and think that they're smarter than everybody else. Classic. Well, this quest comes down very pro-elder, honestly. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Is that is, is that is like Japanese culture kind of like seeping into this the story? That would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so we think we've got a dead end. But after we're done talking to Gundabald, we receive a message from these same youth that want to speak with us in private. Hmm. So we head out to rendezvous with one named Willred in the desert. Yeah, he's just chilling all by himself. And we're like, hey, man, what's up? We heard you wanted to talk to us. I had forgotten this quest line almost entirely. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get ambushed for sure going out <laughs> into the desert. Yeah. But I go there and he's alone. And we actually talk to him. He's not like, haha, gotcha. He's yeah. like, I wanna just want to know what's going on. I'm not going to tell you my super secret sponsor. And he's like, well, no matter, ambush. God damn it. All right. Let's just go ahead and beat up a couple of kids. They fucking got you, man. Well, two Alamegans pop out and we get them, actually. We sure do. After we beat them up, then Will Red's like, you're not my dad. And he runs off to the <laughs> desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it, we're still going to do what we're going to do. <laughs> and then he runs off. And then we head back again. Yeah, Gundabald's like, 
fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And he spoke, uh, before he runs off, he says a couple of things um, that give us some clues. Uh, He says, you know, once we acquire this, once, once we have the power, we'll be able to defeat the Empire, you know, once and for all. So he does say something about this power. Um, you know, once we, you know, once we acquire this power, we'll be able to defeat the Empire. So when we go back to Gundobald and we tell him, like, look, we met up with Will Red. He ambushed us, ran off, but he mentioned something about this power. And we're thinking, like, hmm, what, what, what could that be? Uh, but when we're speaking to him, we hear somebody groaning in pain who comes up um, and Bertliana appears. And she has apparently just broken free of um, the Corpse Brigade. They grabbed her, beat her up. Um, I, I I at first thought that like rape was involved because they don't. I don't, I don't know. It's it seems they leave it ambiguous. They leave it ambiguous. Either way, it's a bit clumsy. Uh, it is yes. Um, either way, she's been through some shit. And while she was um, imprisoned, they were you know mocking her and laughing at her for holding out hope that Alamigo still has any kind of future. Um, and she's like, is this? Is it dumb for us to hold out hope that our our lot will ever change? Is it wrong? Is it stupid to have that dream? And Gundobald's got to put his foot down in the, the old wise man way and say, absolutely not. The, the, the dream is what makes us who, us who we are right now. The dream is what propels us forward. Gundobald asks her, did anybody else see you? And she says, well, yeah, I ran into Wilred on the way back and... He was just livid and like going to build. Well, fuck. So now he's going to probably do something. Right. So the youths go off to execute mystery plan. Gundabald asks us to go intervene. They're all gone by now. So we search the camp and we find a couple of clues. We hear rumors that are doing something with crystals. And also they have a map of Zanrak, which is the domain of the Amalja lizard people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have the map of Xanarak. Well, that's pretty clear. But then um, we actually talked to Willred before he runs off um, when we're doing the clue search. Um, and he says he's in he's in front of the the stone with Ralger's symbol on it. And he's praying to Ralger. And he mentions that, you know, once they get these crystals, they're going to be in good shape for the revolution, for taking back their lands. Uh, and then he runs off. So Zanrak, um, it's clear they're going to try to swoop in there and grab the horde of crystals from the Amalja. And this is this is suicide. This is stupid. We rush after them, and they have not made it very far. They've made it to the very first bridge that crosses the chasms between Little Alamigo and Zanrak, and they already got stomped at the very at the front door. Yes, pretty much. So there are bodies everywhere, and Willred is here, one of the few survivors. And he's distraught. This has been a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. And he confesses they were going to try and steal the Amalja's elemental crystals and use them to summon the god Ralgar. Just like the man taught us, he quotes. Yes. Wonder who that could be. Jeez. Hmm. And as we're talking, some Amalja show up demanding that we pay for their trespass. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the, the Amalja are like, we... We need your souls. We need, you know, death to account for this intrusion. And Gundabald is like, I don't think a soul is an appropriate exchange for, you know, youthful folly, he calls it, which is fair. But then he realizes there's, I mean, there's going to be a fight regardless. So he's, you know, the these youth, while they may be stupid, 
they are the hope for Alamegan's future. And I will defend that future to death. And the battle ensues. So these guys are led by Lava Fang Hemaz Te. He's a, a tanky miniboss. We whittle down his health as we fight through a few waves of ads during the process. One of the ads, one group of the ads is a bunch of tempered people. Right. So it starts off with Amalja and then Fire Drakes. And then eventually in the third wave, there are tempered Alamegans that join the fight. Mm-hmm. We take down Lava Fang. After the, the dust has settled, Gundabald calls for a retreat back to little Alamigo. But Wilred wants to go and get those crystals still. Yeah, still. like they're right there. We can we can finally do this thing. Gundabald retorts, have you learned nothing? Did you see those tempered wretches? Such is the fate of those that are touched by a god. Yeah, like you're, you, you dumb dumb. Wilred stammers, but the masked man told us nothing of this. Oh, yeah. Well, of course he didn't. Man, this masked man is basically like, you know, Gene Simmons and his knights in Satan's service whispering sweet nothings to you. And Great. <laughs> yeah, that is that is like the least topical reference I could have made. Back at the camp, Gundabald finishes dressing down Will Red, and then he thanks us again. We are always welcome in Little Alamigo. That said, though, the trail's gone cold, so we return to the Waking Sands to talk to Minfilia. Right. The debriefing here is pretty short. We learn a little, but much is still in the dark. The primals are still quiet for now, though, so Mm -hmm. we can continue our investigation. At this point, Tataru, who is shelving some books, snidely remarks, All work and no play makes Minfilia a dull scion. (laughs) Then she runs off. (laughs) (laughs) Minfilia's like, what? She's like, nothing! (laughs) I mean, I feel like she could have, she could have repeated herself. It's like, you know, you, you don't have to be afraid of Minfilia, but it doesn't seem like she has a sense of humor at all. So, yeah, maybe just run away. Yep, Minfilia admits it might be break time, but we've got a, <laughs> we've got more episode to do, so we're gonna keep on trucking. The, it's no just, break for us. God, it, come on, Minfilia, lighten the fuck up. She obviously heard Tataru and absorbed the message that, like, hey, maybe we should just calm down for a bit, take a step back, relax a little bit before we, you know, continue in earnest. I think we get like a little, a little, we get a food, we get a, a dish of something as a, as a way of like, hey, take a break, have a sandwich. But Manfilia could have, could have had a moment where she was like, oh, Tatu, you're so right. You know, we just, we need to remember to take care of ourselves. And so, no, it's just, it's just all, not even a crack of a smile, all business. Ugh, Manfilia. Anyway, we ask for more work, and there is a new lead. This one has come in from Noraxia, who is the sylph who's been assigned to the Scions. And she reports that someone that she knows in Falgord Float in North Shroud has seen a masked person. Yes, a, um, a digging one. Or rather, this is a, a contact of a friend, because the Digging one is not her friend. No, it's, it's, if you listen or read the fucking paragraph, it's like, this one has a friendly one who knows of a digging one who saw a suspicious one or whatever, um, sinister one who is probably your masked one. So this one asks you to go speak to the digging one to find out what's going on with the sinister one. Fucking god what damn has- it. You were so defensive of the Sylphs during the Sylph episode, and now you're just this, trashing them. This paragraph is bonkers. It's just, 
I know somebody who knows somebody who's seen a thing that you think is the thing, and I think it's also that thing, but he calls it this thing, and fuck! This seems like par for the course to me for Sylph's speak, so I'm not sure why this one is so offensive. I find her adorable, I love her, but Jesus Christ. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, um, so long story short, we have to go and find a miner in Falgord Float. We pop on over there. Despite its name, Falgord Float is built on stilts in the middle of a lake. Yeah. It's a couple like shattered tree stumps with bridges running between them and then stilt buildings that perch out of this lake bed. Yeah. And they're all connected by these by bridges and they kind of crisscross and stuff. I think yeah. I love it. I it's think cool. it's really cool. And this whole town serves as a connector from the forest of eastern North Shroud to the, the rocky demolished area of western North Shroud. Correct. Alder Springs. Yes. And our contact is Medrod. A miner who is in one of the homes or yeah, like a flop house or something. Yeah, they're him and two of his uh, minor buddies are, are hanging out. And he is, I mean, straight up, he's just kind of like nursing his psyche, which has been severely damaged by some horrors that he recently witnessed. So he's kind of like in his chair, like rocking back and forth. <gasps> I'm going to end up just like she did. Oh, my God. And he's kind of losing his mind. So we we soothe him. So he can calm the fuck down and tell us what he saw. And he's, (laughs) so we do the soothe and he's like, oh man, thanks for that. That, whew, I was going crazy there for a second. Well, let me tell you all about it. He mentions uh, while he was out on the job, he saw a masked man with this enormous eyeball fiend in tow standing by the mangled corpse of a woman. In that moment, he was like, okay, clearly this masked man is a minion of Tall, of Thal, and they are going to take her soul into his realm, and I just witnessing this means that my soul is also damned. <laughs> like, we're like, no, 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 we're, we're here, we're, we're investigating this masked man, like, we know of this guy. At this point, the whole minor crew pledges to help. So we have Medrod, and then as soon as we say, like, we're also investigating this guy... His buddy Aideen stands up and says, we will aid you in the search for the masked man because her name is Aideen and she's aiding us. Thanks, Jen. Get it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Aideen is a goggle wearing here and there's also an Ellison with a bandana over his mouth, Iveralt. Mm -hmm. Aideen reports that some of the dead people have been slashed to death. And she wonders if the local Zs, the lizard birds, are responsible. We go out and cull them and see if we can rule out the connection. We kill a few and none confess to the crime. I don't really know what the idea is here. Seems maybe like a hunter or a doctor should inspect the wounds versus... Uh, right, you know, do we have like, um, you know, bite marks or tool marks or whatever and claw marks and we can match that? No, no, we're just going to go kill them. And in the, in the act of killing not just one, but three... We'll be able to determine, you know, like forensically that, that we can rule them out. Well, this crosses them off her suspect list. Right. Well, so we're on now to the next not this is. Hmm. <laughs> The only people that have been killed so far, we learn, are women. Um, it, suspicious. Somewhat attractive women. Yes. Comely maidens. And Aideen was like, "Woo! I better watch out for myself then, eh? <laughs> That's very cute. And she's like, well, okay, that joke didn't land. All right. <laughs> Further, when they died... Their rancor went into a big rock to the southwest, causing it to flash and moan. Interesting. I could not find the definition of the term rancor 
that means like a spirit or something? Uh, I think it's more like um, it, it, it immediately what it made me think of is their troubled essence, basically. Anyway, so, I don't know if yeah. they're taking liberties or if there's just some other kind of old use of it that has fallen out of fashion I couldn't find. Or maybe it was just like in the in the throes of a grisly death. Um, that is what the stone would absorb. Something Possibly. that, and again, this is Aideen's interpretation. Sure. So we're going to go and blow up this rock and bring back some fragments for inspection. Also, Everalt has a lead. He just now chooses to tell us that he <clears throat> came face to face with a flying eyeball fiend too. Yeah. This was further west of here. So maybe share that beforehand, but whatever. I Yeah. Well, he said, like, I didn't bring it up earlier because I didn't want Medrod to just continue down this vicious spiral into madness. So we go out to the western portion of the zone to check out these leads. This area here got fucked up by the calamity in a big way. Yeah. There are two vertical tiers. One of them is the former surface, which is like a shattered shattered earth, where mm-hmm. there are just these platforms of broken up pieces of land that have been split from one another, leaving these big furrows in the ground that are bridged by exposed dead roots from the trees that used to live here. Yeah, but it is, this, this place, land is like com- thoroughly blighted. Yep. So down below, there are enemies like golems and bombs and- We've got um, diarmites. We have the ziz. Yeah. Um, and up above though, there is some semblance of civilization. There's a mining camp in one area and there's like a guard tower elsewhere. And there's a little goblin hut. Did you see the little goblin hut? I did not. It was really cute. Is there a goblin there? There was not a goblin. I was like examining the the little structure, but it was definitely like it looked goblin-esque. And like the outside, of course, it's all cobbled together from salvage to whatever's. Mm-hmm. And there's like a bunch of shields. <laughs> he found like shields on some dead bodies. It's like, perfect. I'm going to patch my house up. And also the upper the upper levels still do have some vegetation. Like there's yeah. still like there's grass and, and flowers and things up top for some reason. The but reason other than being that, that life finds a way. Life uh, 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 finds a way. And then also there's this enormous, like, like a megalophobia triggering piece of a, like a giant warship or some other structure that is just jutting out of the landscape. It looks apocalyptic. It's, it's a scary well, place. fitting, Jen. It's a scary place. Anyway, these tasks are pretty easy. For Aideen, we just go and blow up some rock um, and then we pick up the fragments we go investigate the eyeball and run into a dire mite instead. We kill it and head back. A heavy bane mite. Woo! Not just your standard dire mite. Well, I only say it because bro brings it up when we come back. We're like, yeah, we didn't find the eyeball, but we did find this other thing. And he's like, whoa, that guy has been terrorizing the people of Falgord Float for, I don't know, years? <laughs> You've saved us all by accident. And it turns out that the rock shards we salvaged are actually lightning crystals. Meh. So it, it's a completely mundane yeah. moaning and flashing. Benign. Who cares? Whatever. All right. These leads are dead. And then Everalt flip-flops a lot here. He's like, I wonder if actually my eyeball fiend was the, the dire mite. And, yeah, and I mean, it must have been my, that. Yeah. In my blind panic, did I misinterpret? And, and he's like, I, no, no, it wasn't. No, it was an no, eyeball. It was definitely a fucking floating eyeball. And not a land-dwelling scorpion with eight of them. Medrod is still unconsoled. He can't sleep with this fiend on the loose. And further, he and Everalt saw their eyeball fiends, which we as 
veteran Final Fantasy players know their Aramans, mm-hmm. obviously. Obs. They saw their flying eyeballs at the same time far apart. How could this be? To which Aideen chimes in with the stunning revelation, <laughs> maybe there's two of them. <laughs> She's like, wait, that must mean <gasps> gods. Could there be more than one? Yeah, I think so. I think so. What a shocker. <laughs> But then she's concerned about there being more victims, so we go out and look around for victims, and we find one. Yep. We approach another maiden's corpse, and then another uh, one of the eyeball fiends pops up, who was essentially like guarding it. And we defeat it, and we take the corpse back and report to um, Aethelmeyer. The miners at this point in time have checked out. They're like, we're They've too scared. They've washed their hands of this. Yeah, this is above our pay grade. Yep. So then they say, maybe go and check it out and then bring the body back to the local Adder's Sergeant, Edelmere. Yeah, because they're in charge of security for the area. They'll probably want to know everything that we've found today. Yep. Like, fair. Uh, so yeah, we, we bring the um, the man's corpse back to Edelmere. And he's examining the corpse, obviously like, God, not another one. Jesus. Um, this time he finds a button with a lily carved onto it. He says, huh. You know, we've we've found other buttons like this on other um, corpses, and you know, we don't know what this is. Is this like a family sigil? Is it a you know, like an organization of some kind? Um, but this is a good clue. This is a really, really good clue. And he says, if anything, probably start with Mother Mion and go see if she knows anything about it or knows somebody who might know about it. So back to Gridania or uh, New Gridania, we go. So we get wrapped into this weird kind of telephone again yeah like i you know i don't know but this person might know yeah. i don't know but this person might know so we go from miyun who's like i don't know nothing maybe go talk to bernadette who is a god's quiver member and she tells us that the white lily is a recurring theme in gradanian culture but she knows nothing maybe Gold at the lancers guild will know mm-hmm. who tells us that the quality of the button suggests that it comes from someone wealthy. Yeah. She just happens to have seen someone with a similar button on their jacket, a man named Ursendil, who is way up in the north crevasse of Gridania, <laughs> near the entrance to the district where the locals live. There's a very rude guard here who shoves you off and threatens you if you dare to go close to the residents' homes. Is this like lavender beds? No, that's or- the, the visitor... Or like the um the, the outsider, uh, yeah, okay, lodging area. It bothers me that I can't go in there. It looks so cool, like all these little tree houses and things. I want to go, but you can't. Well, this guard's gonna fuck you up if you, you go will fuck anywhere me up. near. And I, I appreciate that. Okay, if I were a resident there, I would appreciate it. But I just like. Oh, well, he's like I'm the warrior of life. I will show you your place if you don't step off. I will show you your place. Right. <laughs> Fortunately, Ursendel is sitting on a bench outside this district. Yeah, he's just, we can, he is accessible. So this man, he's, he's in, he's very clearly a manservant of some kind. He has the garb on. And we approach him and say like, hey, we were told that you might know this button. And he's like, yes, yes, absolutely. This is the sigil of the Dartencore family with whom I was employed for many years. And we tell him that we found this on the body of a murdered woman. And he says, was her face mauled beyond all recognition by chance? And we say, actually, yeah. And he says, oh, dear. Well, uh, let me tell you all about it. Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) He says he will break his silence on this because of this revelation. 
like like he's found out right so he was he's been harboring some kind of secret here he'll tell us if we promise to put an end to his lady's madness and here we go into the story ursindel's story he was a manservant for the the house of um dartencore and specifically for lady amandine and she was as beautiful outside as she was on the inside, um, you know, truly a unique beauty. However, she was severely injured in the calamity, and her face was very much disfigured. And when the bandages were finally removed and she gazed upon herself, she lost her mind and sequestered herself in the manor, away from everybody. In a desperate attempt to try to regain her former self, her former beauty, she started receiving some strange guests and strange masked guests, huh? And engaging in these weird rituals, these, these, um, what did she call them? Like rites of rejuvenation. Yeah. One day, these rituals escalated into her tying one of her maidservants on her bed and slashing at her face, killing the woman, Ursindel was tasked with disposing of her body. When he was outside doing this thing and he turned to go back home, he realized that he could not. Um, this this was the line in the sand and he so he bailed. He that was his home for half a century and he's I you know I just had to leave, but he didn't tell anybody what was going on. Now that he's basically found out, he says, um, please go to Hawk Manor free her from her self-made house of horrors essentially so off we go hawk manor is in central shroud it's in the far southwest corner of the area a little pocket of civilization in the otherwise very overgrown central shroud area sorrel haven which is full of ziz and uh fucking marbles marbles yeah big marbles small marbles medium marbles and we go from that swampy area over to this place, which has a prominent spiked wall on the outside. It looks spooky. It looks spooky. A topiary-laden ground on the inside with mm-hmm. weird, like, faceless topiaries. Spooky. spooky. And Ariman's everywhere. And we roll up to the front gate and boom, dungeon unlocked. Bam, go right in. We do bam, go right in into Hawk Manor. Hawk Manor used to be like the White House, in that it was the former home of Gridania's rulers. However, this was seen as a symbol of excess, so a couple generations ago, the house was given up by the city-state's leadership and was assumed by a long-standing Elizan family, the Dartincores. It went from being a symbol of public excess to a symbol of private excess, but whatever. Fair. So I've done a Hawk Manor as a dungeon many, many times. I did it, you know, in the before times. And then, you know, after they quote unquote fixed it, 
in the before times, it was a maze. I never, I never grasped how the fuck you, you meandered around or you got around. I had to, you know, follow people who have done it a hundred, hundred times and they knew what rooms to not go into and which rooms to go into. Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, you can it's cut all, you can cut It's still like that mostly. It's kind of, it's kind of still like that. They it's made not a couple big changes and that's it, but it's largely the same layout as before. Yeah. And, and even then, I, when I did this just for this, for this episode, I still went into like a bunch of rooms. I did. I ended up with like seven fucking tiny keys that <laughs> I didn't need. When you walk in, you see the um up on the the staircase. This is this grand staircase that goes up to the second floor, and then it splits, and it's yeah, it's just really uh, grand. And there's a a reflection, and I didn't realize that it was it was light shining through this giant stained glass window that reflected onto the landing of this staircase. That window gets featured in the opening cutscene. Correct, and it had been so long since I saw that cutscene that I I don't know. I guess I just took it for granted that it was part of the um the magical barrier that was there, which is an, like an added effect. But no, like so you got a real sense of like this cool bright you know, moonlight, that's what it looks like is moonlight shining through this window. And then it's the colors and everything are blanketed on the staircase landing. And it's really, really cool. So this is your classic haunted house dungeon. It's very much a haunted house. The interiors, because it's Gordania, are heavily made of wood. There is carved wood, wood panels, all that stuff on the walls. Very elaborate, elegant, tall hallways, just full of ornate or sheet covered furniture yes i mean she's she's been holed up in here for quite some time so there's there's some you know so right now the only people that live in this manor is lady amandine in her demonic self and her minions her sentries that wander around and she has since turned many of her maidservants into basically demons um you know void scent adjacent um horrors that wander the halls so that's who we are fighting so we can't go up the stairs because there is a purple glowing energy barrier that blocks her path if we try and go deeper on the ground level we get hit by a locked door dead ahead a pile of furniture to our right forcing us to go left to the south wing to look for a way around right this dungeon has the maidservants who are essentially succubi mm-hmm. um, patrolling the halls. So they will float between groups of enemies and they will join the fight sometimes if they get too close to you. Yep. And they have this big fat AOE they drop at their feet when they first <laughs> enter combat. Yeah. You can stun them if you're a tank or if you're a melee DPS. So you can break the AOE that way or just dodge it, of course. Mm-hmm. Besides those guys, we have a bunch of just beasties on the first stretch. Slugs, bats, mold. Toadstools, carpet stains. And there are, like Jin alluded to, lots of side rooms in this dungeon. Most, but not all, are optional. Yeah. You need to, on the first stretch, hit one of the rooms to grab a tiny key from it so you can unlock a door leading to the next stretch. But for the most part, the side rooms hold optional keys, which then unlock optional rooms, which have chests Chests. in them. Yeah, exactly. We have to unlock one door to get past another furniture barricade. So we detour through a side room and then loop around the south wing, eventually reaching our first boss in the Red Hall, mm-hmm. the Manor Clavager, who uses the same model as the handmaidens, the floating cloaked ladies with the horned headdress. I just looked it up. A Clavager, one that keeps the key, a custodian or warden. Well, appropriate as we fight her. 
mm-hmm. and we beat her. She just has a couple AoEs that are easy to dodge. She's super basic. Yeah. And then um, she does some auto attack cleaves. So as always, have the tank point her away from the party. I become increasingly disappointed with the tank AI in the science party. (laughs) I know. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel your pain. I did this as a healer. So I was healing the NPC guy a lot. I'm only doing this now because it lets me go at my own pace for the podcast. Right. For the little Easter eggs and shit that are in there. I I would never, ever. It took three times as long. Yeah, run this with a AI party. Do it if you're like, you know, intimidated by tanking or healing. That's a great way to just kind of, you know, get uh, get your sea legs. But good God, it yeah. took forever. Players can clear this thing in, in 15 minutes. Y- yeah. Easy. <sighs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Anyway, so we, we beat the Clavager. She drops the green key, which opens the door behind us, which is the... Ivy room. Ivy door. Or the Ivy door. And also, when we beat her, she opens up a shortcut to the, the main entry hall. Right. So if you go forward, you find yourself basically underneath the staircase. Um, and you're like, well, there's nothing for me here. So yep. you turn back around and New go back. New trap number one. Yeah. We open the ivy door, and this leads to the basement. We descend a rickety, non-OSHA-approved staircase. Oh, it's bad. Down to the basement area, which is a literal dungeon. It's full of skeletons. It's like basically you're going from this gorgeous manor house, you open a door, and you're in Halatali. We have to do a clockwise loop around this area because there is a key we need to get into the next room that is just past this barricade of furniture. Mm -hmm. The far side has a ramp that leads back over it, but Mm -hmm. our side doesn't. So we have to go loop around, fight through several skeletons, grab the yellow Yellow key. key. And then we hop the ramp and they can go enter the yellow hall. Carnation room or the carnation hall, something like that. Carnation door. Carnation door. To the yellow hall. And this is our second boss or bosses, the manor steward and the manor jester. A skeleton who's a tank. Mm -hmm. So the skeleton has a sword and shield and the imp is just a ice caster. Yeah. I like that the manor jester turned into an imp. I thought that was, I don't know, appropriate. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You probably want to focus fire on the jester, but who cares also? It was fine. Just pick it one. It was fine. Yeah, <laughs> pick one, go at it. I, I picked whatever my tank was picking and, you know, it's cool. Wow, trusting that guy. You know, let's just, if you're, you got to focus fire and that's really the best way to move through this thing as quickly as possible. These guys drop a bloody parchment. This has an arcane rite, which will undo the seal on the top floor. Indeed. We read so, from the bloody parchment. Here's noob trap number two. In the <laughs> old version, the Jin Bane version. Oh, my God. This would just stop. Yeah. You'd be like, where do we go? What you do is either you have to backtrack up the stairs and back to the main hall and then up the uh-huh. grand staircase. Yeah. Or if you're experienced, you return. use the return ability. When running this with a mixed party of players, the people in the know would return. And some people didn't, and they were just like wandering around the yellow hall. Well, you've got to coax the newbies into using return to get back to the entrance (laughs) and hopefully check chat because sometimes they will not. 100%. Yeah. So I got got fucked by that uh, a number of times. But now an ethereal flow appears, which will teleport you. you back to the entrance. Yes. When we read the parchment and break the seal, This opens the way to the upper floor, and we run into a mini-boss, the Manor Sentry, who is the Inaraman. Yes, and he's he's basically 
um, posting up as a guard to Lady Amandine's uh, chambers. Right. We fight him because he's an Aramon, the winged eyeball guys. He has gaze attacks. And we just fight him till he's weakened. And then he flees to go wake up Lady Amandine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we get a scene with the lady awakening from her four-poster curtain bed. Yeah. She slowly rises up. She is full void scent now. Yeah. Purple skin, goth-ass look on her. <laughs> the works. These, like, fluttering, tattered linen wings with some sort of they're like black with red markings on them and yeah no she's goth as fuck um looks really cool though so we will probably go and fight her now but there is one accessible side passage (laughs) on the second floor which is is weird there are enemies that appear nowhere else in the manor here there are Hmm. dogs and also little fire wisps interesting and if you fight through them and you grab an extra key down below you can open a like a dressing room door which leads to a smashed up room with a fireplace and a chest. Ooh, I missed that. Darn it. I would like I'm at the appropriate level where if when I found gear in uh-huh. this in this dungeon, it, I could actually put it on and it was an improvement. So, I'm bummed I missed it. Well, sucks well, to be Jen. I know. I was just I mean, we've been in here for like 35 minutes already, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you played a healer with the NPC party. I'm just you know, I'm just trying to get her levels, man. And, 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 you know, more healer practice, whatever. But yeah, you're literally just pressing one button, two buttons. Cure. Stone. We probably skip the detour and head right into the boss chamber, which is a, a massive room that is wreathed in purple vapors, purple energy. Yeah. With all the furniture pushed up against the walls. Yeah, yeah. There's like some, some shit has gone down in this room, but it's very clearly, you know, the lady of the house's room. We yep. like vanities and dressers and candelabras and and of course we fight her we fight her so because she's f- she has full-on embraced the darkness capital d she will frequently call other void scent to help her in this battle um and the void scent are typically araman who will do their gaze. i think it's just the one it's, it's, the, oh, it's the same same dude yeah he's oh, okay. her buddy so that makes sense. So he'll come in and he'll do a... Um, it's a gaze attack, a full room gaze, which you have to turn around so you're not hit by the gaze. Right. And I did not fail it on purpose, though I kind of wish I had. Well, I'm assuming it petrifies you if you get hit. I would assume so, because there's there's another raid wire that goes out that will uh, like enrapture everybody, and then, then they're pulled in and they will start walking towards the... Um, in the first part of the fight, she just summons the Araman into the fight, and he unleashes his gaze, turn your back, no big deal. She also will summon in smaller maidservants, the smaller succubi, who you can either ignore or fight if you're, depending on your party's DPS and overall style. Partway through, though, she begins to unleash her beguiling mist, which is a forced um, march? march towards her, where you will stumble in her direction. And she combos this with summoning the Araman. So it pops up next to her and unleashes its gaze. Yeah. So you have to be kind of on your I mean it's I mean it's it's cool for when you're when you're doing the game from the beginning, this is an interesting mechanic to to learn. Um you haven't really encountered this. So the, the combination of the forced march and then the um the petrifying gaze. So as soon as that marches up, you need to turn your shit around, otherwise you're gonna be caught by the gaze. Yep. So yeah, that's new. We defeat her, of course, and put an end to her reign of terror. And hopefully she will find some peace. And as we're surveying our handiwork, we turn around and see two Asians. 
we hear them start to say their shit. As soon as um, Amandine is down, um, we will hear some Asian speak, uh, the Asian tongue. Um, darkness has taken root within these halls, sprung from the most unlikely of seeds. Amandine. One cannot help but admire the irrepressible spirit that quickened it to life. And we turn this is around. just self-gratifying on their part. Oh, I, seriously. Like, yeah. Just like, let's all right. Let's say all the words we can let's about our handiwork. yourselves off. Yep. Um, so we encounter two Asians, um, one of the 12th staff and the other of the 12th sword. These guys are wearing black masks. They are not La Habrea. Correct. They're his subordinates. So in the, in the service of their master, La Habrea, they were to take our measure to figure out how strong we are or aren't. They say that Heidelin chose well, but we cannot be tolerated to live and interfere. That was essentially their entire purpose here. And with that, they leave and uh, they wish us well in a probably not genuine way. This is never spelled out as far as I know, but I find it somewhat dissatisfying to think that this whole scheme was just a, quote, test for us. Yeah. That is way too Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> for, for me. There's room for interpretation, though, where they were just doing their sowing of chaos as they do. And then when they got wind that we're on the trail, then La Habrea's like- Then they started like, dropping corpses around the realm. That's part of Amandine's rejuvenation thing. Well, well, right. But how long has that been going on before they decided to beat everybody else outside of the manor into getting inside the manor? There are two ways. You know, one, one is that I'm just going to sacrifice this person to test your strength, which is kind of asinine. Yes, and opinion. also they like they started planting this <laughs> the seed, quote unquote, how many years ago? Well, there's the other version though, where they found someone who had a weakness, as they do, and then they took advantage of this opening to oh, hundred percent expand their strength and to try and get a foothold in the twelves wood. Yeah, just sowing discord wherever they can. So she was doing her thing. In general, um, she was following the promises they made, which is this rite of rejuvenation, which is kind of more akin to like a void scent transformation or like possession type ritual. She was doing that. And then when they get wind that we are on her trail, then they could be like, okay, so she's fucked, but may as well just watch to see how this goes. It, it doesn't have to necessarily be this whole thing was a five dimensional chess, whatever the fuck, to, to test our strength. It could have just been no. a, a right place, right time or... I guess it's more like making lemonade out of lemons type thing. I, I think it's the latter. Of course, they're they're not just putting all of their eggs in one Hawk Manor basket. Yeah. So this was just, you know, one thing considering like, you know, well-to-do family, probably highly influential. Let's go ahead and poison this um, this lady's mind. And, you know, we'll sow, we'll sow, a little, sow a little discord here and then here and here and here and here. And then we come on the scene and they're like, oh, if we could get her in that house. Just to, to see how that goes, um, you know, one, we, we kill her and then huzzah, or two, we figure out what we're up against. So I definitely think it's the latter. I just don't think that the recent sightings are bait, per se. I think that's just her trying to capture more Oh, no, 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 youthful. absolutely. Okay. So it's like, you know, wherever the bodies were being disposed before, how long has that been going on where they were just like thrown in the ocean or whatever and nobody was any the wiser? Well, I think this was pretty recent. Because he's still wearing his manservant garb, it seems like this, yes, this was like a kind of a recent development where he left. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't so, think yeah. that she's dumping bodies in the ocean or whatever. I think that this is this is actually very recent history in right. a way. And we finally came on the scene to connect those dots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Again, this is all not spelled out, just nope. theorizing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So all theory is valid, just my own. Mm-hmm. We tell Ursendel that um, we have put his lady to rest. And so we put his mind to ease as well. Yeah. And he says, you know... He- he wonders if the the two masked men that we found were the same ones who lured his lady into darkness. Yes, they were. Um, and if so, promise him that if we ever get the chance, we will visit upon them tenfold the woe that they have brought upon others. No problem. We will do that. He feels his silence has allowed his lady to continue her crimes. Yeah. And so he will confess to the Gradanian authorities. By being a passive accessory, essentially. Exactly. So he will face whatever punishment they see fit for his crimes of omission. But we head back to Minfilia at the Waking Sands to report back again about more ASEAN business. <clears throat> Their increased activity is alarming, and Minfilia is now resolved to tell the leaders of the city-states what she knows about the Asians, as it's clear that they are becoming a more active threat. Yeah, they're like, they're out and about. They're like, we're here, we're proud, we're loud, we're doing shenanigans. Yes. So um, it's time for the, the, the three nation-states to be made aware so they can up their vigilance. But we must not lose hope, for that is what the enemy desires. Yeah. Also... Another matter has arisen that needs our attention. Weird. (laughs) And so the work goes on next time. (laughs) First off, in retrospect, the Alamegan finale should have been in the last MSQ episode. Oh, yeah. We tried to estimate the time that would take and failed. In this case. Yeah, my memory was so fucked up on that. I thought it was a a much more drawn out uh, series of events, but nope. (laughs) It just didn't meet the theme of this episode. Yeah. So whatever. (laughs) There we have it. Anyway, the the main topic obviously today was Hawk Manor, that whole little loop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which frankly to me, this is a nice snack after the very... Well, the very text-heavy and story-heavy Alamegan segment. Yeah. This goes from... This very long and drawn out investigation with a lot of steps, a lot of people talking that we meet and so on to... Having to grease a lot of wheels. Yep. And then we get our little break. This this is a break. You know, Minfilia is like, take a break. She thought we were going to go and like... No, we're solving a mystery. Take one back. Instead, we're going to go and do a very basic mystery and go stomp a dungeon. Yeah. Bodies are piling up. Go figure that out. Yep. Okay. Which again, though, it it was a nice break, honestly. I I had fun. I'm always happy to do a dungeon. You know, a nice kind of mechanics-heavy segment to cleanse our palate. Yeah. Um, I forgot totally about the Asian connection and remembered it as being like a, a totally separate little side situation. Kind of like Holotali. Like it's a, it's it's essentially optional. The story doesn't really pertain to the overall plot arc that we're embroiled in. Um, but... So that was kind of cool to remember like, oh, no, no, this is connected, even though it was definitely like an opportunistic last minute sort of endeavor for the Asians. It still it still does connect in a way and, and it explains 
how this woman was compromised and and how they were able to weasel their way into her into her mind. So yeah, I it, it there was a, l- a little bit more substance to that story than I remembered. Well, nice. Yeah, and enjoy. Thank you. I did. Next time we are talking about the summoner job quest through level fifty. Yay! See you then. And that will do it for this episode of Pod Return of the Waking Sands. Uh, we thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at podreturn. Otherwise, have a great day. That's my new thing. Have a great day. Have a great day, everybody. And we hope that you enjoyed the episode. And we will see you next time.